0: Pastor Mike, I want you to look around, see how many of them have teenagers. I want to encourage you, Pastor Mike, Pastor Tara, they do an amazing job with the youth on Wednesday night and throughout the week, connecting with them, ministering to them. And they really have a passion. They pour their heart into it. They take time to prepare, to study to minister the word of God, and in the day and age we live in, it is critical that our young people uh, are impacted by the truth of God's word. If they don't hear the truth, they're going to fall for the lies. They're going to be susceptible to deception that is so prevalent in our culture. So I want to just encourage you, Wednesday nights, to get your youth connected uh, with this couple, and they will be a tremendous blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you would open up in your Bibles to John chapter 1, I want to look at a few verses of Scripture this morning. God bless you. I'm glad that you're here today. Turn to the person next to you. Look at their name tag real quick and say, I'm so glad to see and fill in the blank. Amen. It's good to be seen. Amen. Someone once said the sweetest music is the mention of of the person's name. You know, by nature, we're all selfish. Don't, don't look at me like that. Because any time there's a picture that you're in, what do you do? You click on it and you expand to look at your face. You're not looking at anybody else's face. You're not even... It could be a wedding that you're just a... Via, but you focus in on yourself. And then we have a page dedicated to self. So we're selfish by nature, so it's, that's why we like to hear our name. But it's good to get to know one another. I said all that to say it's good to get to know one another um, and to love God and to love people. Amen? Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about Jesus is in the hood. Jesus is in the hood. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. There it is. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, that is the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Grace for grace and truth for truth. And this morning, I want to speak to you about Jesus being in the hood. And very simply, we know that hood is slang for a neighborhood. Being from the hood, according to the Urban Dictionary, is someone who is in, who is from a city or expresses the essence of the culture. Basically, this morning, I want to use it just in the sense as a slang for being Uh, Jesus being in the neighborhood, Uh, I thought the title would get your attention, some of you thought, but simply it means that Jesus is in the neighborhood. You know what's pretty cool? Uh, Reading other translations. Now, There is the King James, there's the New King James, the New American Standard. There are so many good translations. And then there are what are called paraphrases. These are not uh, literal translations from the Greek and the Hebrew, but they're they're more of like the Reader's Digest version, or they kind of give their own interpretation. And some are good and some are not so good. But I, I like this from the Message Bible. It says the word... Listen... The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. The one of a kind glory like the father and like son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. When we say Jesus is in the hood, we understand Uh, That's a a crude way, if you will, to explain or to state what theologians call the incarnation. The incarnation. In Christian theology, it is the taking on of the human body by the second person of the Trinity, joining the divine and human nature in Jesus Christ. It is God becoming human just like you and I. At Christmas time, when the Word became flesh, when the Word of God, when when God became flesh and dwelt among us, He became just like you and I having a human body. The invisible God expresses Himself in a human personality through the glorious incarnation. Where else is this truth expressed? Well, there are many references in the Bible I can point to, but just give you a couple of verses of scripture. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible tells us that God, who at various times in different ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3 is powerful, it says, of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We heard sung this morning, Emmanuel. They shall call his name Emmanuel, translated God with us. Now this morning, as a preacher and a teacher, even as Christians, it's important that we uh, rehearse the doctrines, the truths, what we believe, what we hold so dearly. It is important that we learn them, that we hear them, and we hear them again. How many of you believe that to be true? I'm going to read something to you again that's just fascinating me, fascinating how Peter himself said this in his epistle. He says in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, he says, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, to remind you always of these things, though you know them and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm alive, to stir you up by reminding you. Here's that word again. Remind you, reminding you. Knowing shortly I must put off my body, I must die just as the Lord has revealed to me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. In those few verses, the word remind, reminder, is used three times. I want to remind you. Don't take for granted what you know. Don't be content and settle for what you do know, but always build upon that knowledge and be reminded, rehearse it. That's why the songs we sing are theological and, 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 and sound biblically, because they're a way for us to remember things. There are some certain songs that come to me from when I was first saved. Now, if I were to sing them, well, first of all, I won't sing them. I'll repeat them you would say, wow, I never heard that, and that's so old. But just let me give you a clue. Some of you young people, the songs you're singing today, 30 years from now, you'll sing them and there'll be some young whippersnapper that's going to say, that's an old song, where they get that one from? It's all relative, right? Why do I say it's so important to learn these things and to hear them over and over again? because we can't take for granted especially in the culture in the day and age that we live in where there's such a biblical illiteracy and there's such a decline in church attendance around the nation and even around the world one statistic that I was uh, reading it said that in in the 1950s and 60s in America when they did a survey and they just simply asked people how do you believe in God Ninety. Eight percent of those who were polled said yes. Do you know that in 2020, I believe, or 2021, that same question was asked, and the statistics have dropped down into the 60s? We've seen a decline. And again, we can't take for granted. This is, this is something that happened, I think, about 10 years ago in this church. On an Easter service, there was this young girl. I think she was around... 10 or 11 years old. She didn't grow up in the church. She didn't come to church regularly. She had no Bible training. And I was preaching. I think it was during Easter time. And I was preaching on the, on the cross, right, and, and, and the resurrection of Jesus. This young girl went home, and, and this was told to me. This is something that happened in this church, firsthand report. I know it to be true. Said to um, a relative, I know how Jesus died. He got hit by a car crossing the street. She interpreted, when I said the cross, she interpreted the cross walk. He died on the cross, crossing the street. Do you, I mean, you know, some of you, some young people, they complain that they were brought up in the church, they had to be church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They complained they had to go to a Christian school. Thank God you had that opportunity to hear the word of God because that word has been sown in your heart and it can come back at a time of need and God can give you revelation and God can drag you out of sin, drag you out of depression, drag you out of the pit when you call upon that name because you have the knowledge and the background. God help us to be students of the word of God and of the things of God. Why? Because there's nothing greater. There's no greater knowledge than the knowledge of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So what we look at this morning is, is Jesus, the Bible says he became flesh and he dwelt among us. This changes everything. This is eternally significant. When we understand that Jesus moved in to the hood. Jesus came and he dwelt among us. Christmas is about a God who is unknowable. Coming down to earth to relate to us. To get to know us so that we could get to know him. Giving us that opportunity. That's what Christmas is about. I want to look at one thought in a few moments. We're going to partake of communion. One thing that I want to look at and just emphasize, Jesus, because Jesus moved into the hood, he can relate to us. He can relate to us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to give you the word of God. Is that, is that a good thing? Amen? Amen? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Look what it says. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that's Jesus, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Verse 17, therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren. Jesus had to, God had to become human. He had to be made like his brethren that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to God, to make propitiation for the sins of his people. Look at verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus was tempted, the Bible says, just like we, yet without sin so that he can aid us who are being tempted. Anybody been tempted? If you're human, you've been tempted you will be tempted. The world, the flesh, and the devil will throw everything at you and I to keep us from the path of righteousness and following God with all our heart. We have to understand that Jesus can relate. Jesus can feel he was tempted just like you and I, and the Bible said he's able to give aid. That's a good word. He's able to help those who are being tempted. Can you say amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, the, the the writing of Hebrews, this, this letter, this epistle to Hebrews, if you study it, the theme of it is greater. Jesus is greater. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than angels. He's greater than the law. He's greater than Moses. And the whole emphasis was try to teach the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, that the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus is greater than the whole Old Testament, all the sacrifices, all the types and the shadows. Why? Because they were fulfilled in Jesus. So Hebrews chapter 4 says, in verse 15, it says, we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. C.S. Lewis said, God could have been incarnate in a man of iron nerves who let no sigh escape him, but of his great humility he chose to be incarnate in a man of delicate sensibility, sensibilities who wept at the grave of Lazarus and sweated blood it gets, in Gethsemane. You see, we have to understand a God who is so holy, so mighty, so transcendent, so glorious to relate to us. He had to come down to our level. He had to move in to the hood. He had to relate to us on a human level. Someone once said that he came to my level because I couldn't get up to his. You see, all the religions of the world, all the religions of the world are man's attempt to climb the ladder, to climb the mountain, to reach God. Christianity is God coming down to reach us. What a belief system. What a truth that we have. Can you say amen? Amen. I love the old hymns. And this hymn came back to me just recently. And I began to sing it. And, and, And some of you will relate to this. Years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not that it was for me he died. On Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There, my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. By God's word, at last, my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned, till my guilty soul imploring came to Calvary. And this part just came to me, relating relative to what I'm sharing to you with you this morning. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Come on, somebody say amen. Jesus can relate. You see, Jesus' upbringing, his childhood, even his very birth was questioned. We know that Mary became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit in a supernatural way that we cannot fully understand. She was, became pregnant with the Son of God. She was engaged to a man named Joseph and and understandably so, he was so distraught and he, he planned to break off the engagement and go away from her because she told him she was pregnant by God. Now that's a new one. Never happened in history, never will happen. Don't ever try to use that one. But even... For Joseph, it troubled him so much, God had to give him a dream to convince him otherwise. Even Jesus' critics in his ministry, as he preached, he was confronted by the Pharisees and they questioned the legitimacy of his birth. In John 8, 41, when they said sarcastically, we were not born of fornication. They were being sarcastic. They were taking a jab at him. They were were actually questioning the legitimacy of his birth. We're talking about how Jesus could relate to us or how we can relate to Jesus this morning. Jesus was born in poverty. He lived in poverty. When his parents were going to the temple to dedicate him and they were to bring an offering, you know what they brought? Two turtle doves. You know what that was? That was the poor man's sacrifice if they couldn't afford a lamb they they can bring two turtle doves the poverty during his lifetime he didn't have any money when he had to pay taxes what did he do he sent peter fishing he said when you open the mouth of the fish pay for my taxes and pay for your taxes wouldn't that be cool during tax time Jesus also, during his ministry, he said, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Matter of fact, Jesus grew up in the wrong neighborhood. You know, he was called Jesus from Nazareth. And you know what that was? That was, became a saying. They, people would say, could anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a racial slur. It was a put-down, if you will. Can he relate? Yes, he can. Can you relate this morning? Whatever you're going through, sometimes you, you you try to articulate it to someone else. You try to explain the burden of your soul, the soul turmoil, the mind, the pressure, the confusion. And you can't fully communicate it. I want you to know you have a Savior. There is a Jesus that you can Cast your care upon that you could unburden your soul, that you can share everything with, and he understands. A savior, a God who knows what we're going through like no one else could possibly know. In Isaiah 63 verse 9, the Bible says, In all their affliction... In all the affliction of the people of God, he was afflicted. Think about that this morning. The Bible says that whatever God's people went through, God himself felt the turmoil, he felt the pain, he felt the suffering. And ultimately, we see it on the cross of Calvary. We see that when Jesus was hung up on the cross and he suffered and he bled and he died, he was carrying your sin, your pain, your heartache in some way we can't even imagine. Jesus took it all on the cross. Emmanuel, God with us, he's with us in our suffering. He's with us in our struggle against sin. He's with us in our negative emotions. He's with us in our loneliness. Isaiah 43 verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Hallelujah. We see the three young adults in a foreign land in the book of Daniel. The Bible says they would not bow to no one but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what's interesting about the power of music? Music is so important Young people, old people, doesn't matter. Whatever music you listen to will get in your spirit, will influence you. It is so critical that you're discerning of what you listen to. Does the music glorify God or does it lead to the flesh? Does it honor God or does it draw you away from God? Does it create emotions that are healthy or emotions that are negative? It is critical. Music is powerful. Do you know Satan? Do you know that the devil was a worship leader? Do you know he, he was an archangel that was responsible for the music of heaven and pride entered his soul and he was cast down to hell? But that's how powerful music is. And music, there's music in heaven, there's music on earth, and music will bless your soul or it'll, it'll destroy your soul. And so in the book of Daniel, the Bible says there was a golden image and you know the way that they prepared the people, got them in the mood to bow down? They played music. They said, as soon as you hear, the music begin to play. And that music is powerful. So I want to encourage you today. Make sure you listen to music that feeds your soul, that blesses you spiritually, that builds you up and doesn't tear you down. It's mind-boggling when you can see some of the music that is out there, some of the things that we see on TV, some of the things 40, 50 years ago we wouldn't see in this country. One see on TV. What does it tell you? It tells you of the culture that is sliding to the pit of hell. It tells you of a downward spiral, of a sin that is so powerfully entrenched in our culture, and some Christians don't even know the difference between right and wrong. They don't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. You know the book of Leviticus, we were talking about it the other night. And, and, you know, the book of Leviticus could be a very difficult book to read when you see all the sacrifices. But as you study and as you take uh, hermeneutics, you'll, you'll grow in your understanding. It's a little commercial. But what was the premise of that book? It was to teach the people of God what is holy and what is profane. What is acceptable before God and what isn't acceptable. It was all of the sacrifices, all of the rituals. It was to teach a primitive people who didn't understand the holiness of God. Thank God today we have a greater revelation having the whole Bible. Hello? So we ought to know the difference between the profane and the holy. What is right and what is pleasing and what is not as pleasing. Don't go by the culture. The Bible tells us, do not be pressed into the mold of this world. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Let there be a transforming through your mind based upon the word of God. Thank you for that one amen. I wish I had a few more. But there were the three young adults. They would not bow down to the image. You know what the punishment was? To be thrown into a fiery furnace. Three of them were thrown in. But you know what? Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says when the king woke up, he looked into the fiery furnace and he asked, he said, didn't we throw three men? Now I see four, and it's like unto the Son of God. Hallelujah. In your fiery furnace, in your trial, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Stay true to him. Stand firm in what God has said. Don't bow to the images of this world. Can you say amen? Amen. Proverbs 18 24, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But what I see in all these great promises, many times, you know what we do? We hide. We project our issues on other people, we turn to our own devices. We don't go deeper in our relationship with Jesus. We have a veneer of religion. We have a veneer of education. We have a veneer of respectability. To cover over some issues in our life. I have been through many building projects and renovations over the years. And I've learned a few things about building materials. There are different qualities. There are different types. Sometimes we tend to go for the cheaper materials, but they are just that. They're cheap and their quality shows. But there's a flooring that has a, a veneer over it. It's a thin, decorative finish, covering. It's just a surface layer. It's made to look like the real wood, but it's fake. A lot like us sometimes. Turn to the person next to you and say he can't be talking about you. But it's true sometimes. Let's let's be honest. We come to church, we put on a certain look. I've seen people come into church, hello, praise the Lord, Pastor. Good morning, Pastor. Then on the way out in the parking lot, pulling their kids, grumbling, complaining. I mean, saying words that I can't repeat from the pulpit or I can't repeat at all. All of a sudden, when they're in the church, they're, praise the Lord. Hi, pastor. Walk out the church, it's a different thing. Outside, it's like you go out of the glory zone. You go out of the perimeter of the church, and now they become the real But see, we need to bring everything to Jesus. You see, we have hurts. Our hurts are sometimes self-inflicted. Sometimes other people have inflicted those hurts. Has anybody been hurt by somebody? Now, we, we could all raise our hands, but if I ask this question, we might not be as honest and humble. Have we hurt people? I think we can put up both hands. So what do we do with that? Do we bring it to Jesus? He's the only one that can heal us. You see, when we hide, when we cover our wounds, our hurts, our negative emotions, what happens is it creates uh, uh, it, the worst condition. It, 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 it just kind of multiplies our problems. God says, cast your care on me, for I care for you. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I like what somebody once said, Jesus will only cover, or the blood of Jesus will only cover what we uncover. Jesus forgives sin, but he don't forgive excuses. We have to confess and, and, and I, I believe communion is a reminder, it's, it's something that, that Jesus, that, that the Word of God has, has introduced as a regular uh, 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 ritual, if you will. Sometimes though with rituals they become empty, uh, repetitive things that have no meaning, but, but they have meaning in our life. That we don't just do it and, and just go on with our life, but, but it's a time to examine ourselves, you know, I met some people, they're great at examining other people. I'm telling you, there's some people who know how to... Ex- they're, they're, they should work for the produce section of, of the supermarket. They're great fruit inspectors. I don't want to go into the gossip. I don't want to go into all of that. But, but they know how to talk about everybody else's problems. And you would think that they were saints and they had wings and they lived on another plane, but the reality of it is we all need the grace of God. We all need to acknowledge, and, and, and we can't cover it up. The Bible says, for whoever covers their sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes will have mercy. That's the Word of God. The Bible says, he was often reproved and hardens his neck will be cut off, and that without remedy. There are challenges, there are warnings in the Word of God that we need to give heed to. Somebody say Amen. I want to end before we go into communion and I want to just ask a simple but profound question. A question that's more important uh, the most important question in all of life. Whether you're in the upper class, the lower class, educated, uneducated, famous, unknown, you could be the goat or you can be a donkey. The question I want to ask you is do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? It says in John chapter 17, verse 3, it says that they might know you, the true and living God, and you who, and and, and me that you sent. For this is eternal life, to know God. I want to ask you to stand, and I want to just ask you to just, give me one minute before we go into communion. I want to ask a question. In this room, I guarantee just by sheer percentages and the numbers that are here, that there is a percentage of you that do not have a personal relationship with God. The whole message of Christmas is that God sent His Son to a sin-sick world because you and I needed a Savior. We needed salvation from our sins. We need to be saved from this sick world. We need to be saved from ourselves sometimes. We need ultimately to be saved from the sin that you and I are so prone to. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that the wages of sin, there is a payday for sin. And you know what that wage is? Death. Physical death and spiritual separation from God for all eternity. But I'm glad that the scriptures don't end there. But the gift, it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I want I to declare every one of you here is a sinner. You're a sinner by Nature? Have a sinful nature? There's not one here that has never sinned. Is there anyone that never sinned? If you raise your hand, that's your first sin. You're a liar. (laughs) We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We're sinners by nature. The Bible says we have a sinful nature. Our nature from birth is to do wrong. You put a little baby in the nursery. They could be eight months, a year old, and everything is mine. Mine. Why? Because selfish, self-centered, the world revolves around them. When they want something, they cry. Mine from from birth, from birth we're sinners and then we're sinners by choice. We choose to do the wrong. We disobey and the Bible says when you sin, you become a slave of sin. Let me tell you, life without Christ is hopeless. Without Jesus, there's no remedy for sin. You can't do enough good works to to outweigh the bad works. You can't climb the religious ladder high enough to get to the top. You'll never be able to do it. God demands perfection. And the only perfection we will get is the perfection of Jesus. He was perfect. And he said, the Bible says, he took our sins and he gave us his righteousness. He took our imperfection and he gave us his perfection. When God sees us, he sees us through the cross. Our ticket into heaven is not our good works. It's not our righteousness. It's not anything we do. It's just simply faith in what he has done. Blessed be the name. At Calvary, mercy there was great and grace was great pure grace was free there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary this morning I want to ask you that simple question have you made Jesus the Lord of your life have you asked him to forgive you of your sins and again I'm sure there are some here this morning and, and we, all had to, we all had to do this one time or another to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see, he cannot enter the kingdom. We enter by faith, believing what Jesus did. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's with the mouth one confesses unto salvation, and with the heart one believes unto righteousness. This morning, I want to ask you to close your eyes, and I want to just ask you while your head is bowed in this just moment of just quietness and intimacy with God, between you and God, I want to ask you the question, have you ever confessed your sin? Have you ever asked God to forgive you? Have you ever invited Him into your heart? The Bible says, Jesus came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them he gave. He gave the right to become children of God. To as many as believed on his name. I want to ask you, would you like to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Would you like to confess your sins to God this morning? Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand all over this place? God bless you. Anyone else, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Every hand that's raised, God sees it. But, but this one person here, you've never made that decision. You cannot fight against the world or your own weakness, your own habits or your own sin with your own strength. You can't fight against the devil with willpower. It's got to be through the grace of God and through the cross of Jesus. Anyone else would just raise their hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior this morning. If you've never done it, this is a great opportunity right now. God bless you. I see every hand that's raised. I want everyone to pray a prayer with me. Those of you raised your hand after we have communion, if you'd like to talk to one of the pastors, I'm going to ask our pastors and elders to be around the front to have opportunity to to pray specifically with those that raised their hand, give you a Bible. If you really mean it, please take the time to do that. But let's pray together. Dear God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. God, forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And that he rose on the third day. I believe his death was for me. I believe his resurrection was for me. And that I'm a new creation today. today. I rise up to walk in newness of life. life. By faith in what Jesus did for me. On the cross. cross. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please, after communion, take time to speak with one of the pastors. We have a Bible for you. And some help with the next steps. Amen. Would you take the communion cup? Just prepare it. Sometimes it takes a little bit to get that cover off. We want to wait for everyone. And the word became flesh. Flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Just think, Jesus, God's only son, came from the glories of heaven to come to this sin-sick world and then to go to the cross and to take on the sins of the world for you and I. Blessed be his name, amen. Would you take a moment right now to prepare your heart